Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Jimmy Murray. Thanks for being on the show, Jimmy. Appreciate you having me on. Really excited to be here and uh, really excited to connect your listeners as well. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. I know you were just mentioning we were both in Denver at a large conference just a couple of weeks ago, and unfortunately, we didn't get to meet. But anyway, it's 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 a pleasure to have you on the show. But a little about Jimmy. He's a co-founder of Lion Property Management in Warwick, Rhode Island. Lion Property Management is a full-service real estate management company founded in 2015. Well, Jimmy, you know, give the listeners and myself a little more about your background in real estate and what your your focus is right now. And let's jump into to, to your superpower that the listeners and I can benefit from. Absolutely. So my superpower is going to be asset management. So we can talk a little bit about or go in details on how to find the right property manager, right? Investors should be focused on finding the next deal and less about worrying about the assets that they have. It's more to create that goal of becoming a passive investor. How I got started in real estate. I came out of college. I was always interested in real estate. I ended up landing a job at a large investment firm and I took the chartered financial analyst exam. I wrote off six months of my life and I scored in the top 10% of the failures. <laughs> so I had a hard decision to make of, do I take $5,000 and reinvest in the study programs and applying for the test and, and that whole route again? Or do I take that $5,000 and invest in multifamily real estate? So based on being on the show, I think everybody kind of has an idea of where I ended up. So I, I went on the hunt. My first purchase, which kind of gave me the real estate bug, was a four-fam. So most listeners probably call it a fourplex. In our local area, we call it a four-family. A little bit of a difference there in terms of semantics. I bought that first fourplex, and I was really hooked. So I bought four units for 140000 And six months after acquisition, I was able to get the rent roll up to $3,500 a month. So it was cash flowing really well, and I was hooked. Transitioned to wholesaling, didn't really make enough money to quit my corporate job, flipped a couple houses, still not making the money to quit my corporate job. And then I caught a bad review. And I walked back to my cubicle after that bad review and text my now partner to launch a property management company. The rest from there is really history. We are now up to 600 doors. We were up a little bit higher, but we honestly released some, some bad clients. So we can talk a little bit about our pumpkin plan mentality. It's a, it's a book that I read. And our focus lately has been flipping owner-occupied multifamilies. And that's the niche that we found in our local market in this late stage of the real estate cycle. Wow. Okay. So, so you took that 5,000. It's interesting you say you were in the top 5% of the failures. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> when they got that letter of like, hey, listen, you didn't pass, but you scored in the top 5% of the failures, like here it is. So it's kind of like sticking it in your eye a little bit. Right. I, maybe they meant for it to serve as motivation, which in a sense it did. I just took it a different route. And you took that 5,000 and a totally different direction and invested in multifamily real estate. And then you were hooked and now look at you. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So you mentioned, I want to get into the, the asset management and finding that property management company and really hone in on that. But you, you mentioned the pumpkin plan mentality. And and why I wanted to bring that up is because our last guest, which if the listeners were just listening to yesterday's show, th- that guest brought that book up. And I don't know that I've ever heard of that book before, but it was just brought up by the last guest. <laughs> so it's so interesting. And I'd love to know like what that book taught you or why that was so influential. And, and then let's dive in to yeah, the asset management. So two stories. The first, I sat down with my former accountant, and he's only former because he's older and I'm worried that he was going to retire, but he was also very, very expensive and I wasn't finding the value. But he imparted this wisdom on me and he said, as you build your business on at least an annual basis, you need to rank your clients A, B, C, and D. So put each client into a bucket. He said, the D clients, you fire immediately. The C clients, you sit down with them and you coach them on how they become a B client. B's and A's you keep. If a C client, after you have that conversation within three months, they don't be that C client doesn't become a B client, they are now a D, fire them immediately. Mm-hmm. So that helps you stay focused on working with the right folks. And then I came across the pumpkin plan. The pumpkin plan discusses how the farmers who grow those thousand pound pumpkins that you see at the county fairs, they don't have a whole pumpkin patch of those. They have one. So they originally plant that seed and maybe a couple of pumpkins grow, but whichever one grows most quickly, they cut off the other ones to stay focused on that one pumpkin. Pumpkin, And I think that's really important in real estate. When you find your niche of where you can generate that passive income you're looking for, or where you can generate the income that you're looking for, stay focused there. Too many people start to focus on a number of different avenues and they have kind of like a 40 pound pumpkin and a 20 pound pumpkin, but they never have that really large one of something that they're really, really good at. And I think that's important to stay focused. I love that. Now, I appreciate you elaborating on that. The last guest kind of had that same story. And and I just thought it's great for the listeners and I to hear that again and how that's helped you. And uh, But I'd love to dive on into just the asset management piece and, and just your expertise there and help the listeners and I become better at understanding asset management, but also in, in a way that we we know our, our management companies are are prepared to provide the best asset management that we can that we can find. Absolutely. So a lot of investors, when they reach out and I, I received that initial phone call, when they're looking for property management in our local area, the first question is price. What is your price? Personally, and maybe I'm a little, I have a jaded view because I am a property manager. I don't think that the conversation should start with price. Candidly, our prices are listed on our website. Most property managers have their prices listed on their website, but that shouldn't be your defining factor in how you choose a property manager. I think it's really important to get on the phone with your property manager or prospective property manager and have a conversation about their investment philosophy. Mm-hmm. So ask them about their screening criteria of how they find tenants. Ask them about or bring your current rent roll and say, hey, this is, this is where our rent roll is at. Where do you think you can take it? And how are you going to achieve that? You want to ask those open-ended questions to really dive deep into their mind to make sure that they're going to deliver on the returns that your investors are looking for if you're diving into that 100-plus unit syndication. So another question that I think is a really valuable one, when you get in in touch with that property manager, talk to them about what a standard turnover looks like. Mm -hmm. So I know like when I'm talking with folks, I tell them that the first turnover should always be the most expensive one on a couple of different levels. One, if you have a tenant who doesn't really take care of it, that could lead to it. But then the first one, you want to bring it up to your standard. 
particularly if you're buying something with below market rents, I'm a big value play guy. So you want to get it up to your standard the first time. Typically, we go through and we paint the entire unit to get it up to that standard. So then the next time through, we're probably washing walls because we use a high-end commercial grade paint, or we're just touching up a couple of different areas because we placed that good tenant because they went through that thorough screening process. I think that these type of philosophy questions are going to align you with the right property manager. And then if you find two or three good ones that you think align with your interest, then have the conversation about price. What should we be looking for when we ask them about their investment philosophy? Yeah. So I, I think you need to find a manager with the mindset of if you're buying a value play, find that person with that value play mindset. Ask them if they have other properties that they've accomplished that on. I don't think if I was purchasing a building in the 100 plus unit range, I would go with someone who hasn't managed one of them before. Now, if you get a really good deal on um, your management fees and someone has that good mindset that you think that you can relate to and you you think that you could have a good working relationship, take the risk. But you want to bet on someone who's done it before. If you are buying you know, class A assets and that class A tenant base is going to be uh, in some circumstances a lot needier than some other tenants with really kind of minor things. Make sure you have a property manager that knows how to provide that concierge level service. So there's a difference in a property manager that is used to managing class C assets to bring them to a B and then that property manager that is used to managing class A assets. And I think that's a really different dichotomy that investors should pay attention to. Okay. So and then I wanted to go back to the that uh, the standard turnover. You know, any red flags through that process that would be like, wait a minute, you know, this is not the management company for me. Yeah, so I think it's all about documentation, mm-hmm. and it's also about transparency. So one of the biggest things for us is when that tenant leaves, we're we're in that unit within forty eight hours, producing a move out condition statement. So for an investor, you could be anywhere in the world and you get this really clean PDF that goes all the way down to you know, the kitchen faucet and, and us turning on the hot and cold water. And you can see pictures of both. So it's incredibly detail oriented. The next level of transparency is the turn of a quote. So we're going to break it down based on item, right? So it's not like we go into a property and say, hey, this is a $5,000 turnover. Send us a $5,000 check. It's like, nope. So here's the painting. We have a form of how we get to the painting. It's based on price per square foot. So whether we're painting walls only, walls and ceilings, or walls, ceilings, and trim. You can have those three different price points. Um, and then you, we're going to break it down based on work task. So then the investor has that added level of transparency so they can have that higher level of confidence in our turnover. I think that that's another key component of finding a great property manager, finding that property manager that will provide the level of transparency that you're interested in. Transparency is 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 so important in every aspect of this business. But you know, tell me though about your the communication. You know, between I know you talked about the transparency, you talked about the PDF and those things. But like through the life of the deal, not just during a turnover, what does that communication look like? What should we expect as as the owner? You know, with the property management company. Absolutely. So for larger assets, particularly something that may not be stabilized, you want to get on the phone with your property manager once a week. And I would suggest keeping a running agenda. So on that running agenda, it holds everybody accountable, but also it shows your property manager what your highest priority items are. So if you have a list of problem tenants, stack rank your problem tenants and send your property manager out to work through either removing those problem tenants or correcting their actions. I think that that weekly phone call is going to help you achieve a return a lot faster in the sense of working towards those top priority items. If you have a smaller asset, 
maybe get on bi-weekly or monthly to make sure that you're still driving the project forward. Honestly, a lot of property managers can get stuck in the day-to-day and they may not be able to bring themselves up to kind of that cruising altitude, 35,000 foot kind of level to make sure that they're still moving it forward. Mm-hmm. And those conversations are really level setting to make sure that your property manager is moving in the right direction to get that asset generating that return you're looking for. Can you lay out a few things in that agenda that we definitely need to talk about? Yep. So in my agendas, I always go through, my last page is typically the most important. So I go through current vacancies, and then I'm going to talk about what stage of the vacancy are they at. Did the tenant just move out? Do we need to return a security deposit? Did we submit a turnover quote that um, needs to be approved? Did they approve a turnover quote? Is it ready for leasing? Is it currently listed? So those are like the different stages. And then we talk about upcoming turnovers as well. The other ones I would start to talk about problem tenants and how we're going to address that. And I know that the conversation that I'm having is really more related to kind of that value add. One of the other major components are any infrastructure items. So it's not just internal to the units, but are there things that we can do outside of the units? I would say first and foremost, to make sure that it's a safe, comfortable place to live. So are there like railings falling off and could there be insurance issues? And then the second part of the external items would be related to CapEx projects that tenants may, you may not see a direct return on investment, but are there projects like adding a laundry room, adding some other type of amenity that could make your property more valuable than the property next door. Yeah, no, that's that's great stuff. Uh, you know, I was thinking about those, just the CapEx and the budget and all those things that we like to discuss during those calls. And I, I even like, you know, like our management company, they've been in this market since like the early 90s, you know, that, that we're in. And so, you know, we, we rely on them a lot just to their opinion about the market and about rents and all those things. Even, you know, how, how much can we push the, not just the rents, but, but as far as, you know, the renovations and things like that. And I just wondered your opinion about, you know, how much you expect a man, uh, an owner to rely on you for, for those items and, and just asking your opinion in, in some of those areas. Absolutely. So I think having the game plan upfront is extremely important to hold each other accountable. One of the biggest things when we take on multifamily buildings in our local market, whether it's taking it on from a previous DIY landlord or from another property manager, I host what I call a safety inspection. So that's my opportunity to be really nosy. It makes a tenant feel better. So we send out a communication saying, hey, listen, since we took on the property, we're going to come out. We need to gain access to every single unit to make sure that you guys have a safe and comfortable place to live. So then I go out there and ask them if they have any current issues. It helps me get some dirt on some of the other tenants. But that'll get me inside of every single unit. So then I can develop a, a CapEx plan to say, hey, listen, here's where the rent is. Here's where I think we can take it. Here's the CapEx that we may experience if we have to turn this unit over. And then that's really going to lay out the game plan for us to set up success for that asset. So what about managing the renovations, you know, throughout the life of the project, or let's say it's a, a, I don't you know, five-year hold, whatever it may be, but you know, how much do you all do of that as far as managing the actual uh, renovation itself? Yep. So we have owners that we trust that we allow to complete the turnovers or manage some of those larger CapEx items. Or I know that in your world, it might be a little bit different where the property manager could handle everything soup to nuts. We do have some owners that legitimately travel the world. We might talk to them once every couple of months, and we'll tackle tackle those CapEx projects as they come along. I think it's really important to sit down with your property manager and leverage their knowledge to develop a CapEx schedule. And I think that this happens 
prior to purchase. I think that this should be included in your, your purchase plan as you are acquiring the asset. Any property manager is gonna find it helpful to be included in that conversation upfront to set up success for the duration of that hold. So when I talk about a CapEx schedule, think about things like the roof, heating systems, electrical systems, parking lots, and develop that schedule and say, hey, listen, we think that the heating system has another 10 years. We think it's going to be $100,000 to replace it. Let's start budgeting from our monthly cash flow and pushing that over to a CapEx savings account. So when we have to replace that heating system, we're prepared and we're not pulling money out of our pockets or producing less of a return for our investors. We're taking it out of our reserves in order to to make sure that we're in a good place. So, all right, Jimmy, well, give us a, anything else I need to know about there or that you'd like to elaborate on. I know there's tons of things that we could talk about is, but as far as being successful in our asset management, before we dive into a few last questions. Yeah. So I think you should consider your property manager, your cash flow consultant, right? Mm. So your property manager, you should consider a partner. You should work arm in arm to make sure that you reach the deliverables that you have laid out. A lot of times, owners will come in and they kind of have that kind of head down mentality of the owner's a little bit higher than the property manager. I think that you really have to create that strategic partnership and have that mentality. And that's where you're going to have a lot of success working with your property manager if you consider that, consider them a peer. And I like that. I like you. Thankful that you brought that up as well. They're such an important part of the team. I mean, just extremely important part of the team. So yeah, I like how you mentioned your arm in arm, you know, because we are, I mean, they're, we're, we're relying on, on you so much to, to manage uh, the property the best that you possibly can. And, and that we've done our due diligence to, to pick the best management team that we can. And so, you know, tell me a way though, that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours. Yeah. So I'm going to circle back to December of 2019. We released over 100 plus units worth of owners just because they weren't a right fit. So I think it's really important to pay attention to your brand. So when tenant a prospective tenant comes out and they look at a unit that's presented by Lion Property Management, they have a certain expectation. So if I'm working with owners that don't allow us to produce that clean rent ready style unit, that could be detrimental to my brand. So we released those owners so that we could really stay true to that value that we provide our local market. It almost goes back to the the, the pumpkin plan mentality, right? That's it. That's exactly wow. right. Great example. So tell me uh, the number one thing that's contributed to your success. The number one thing is hard work. I will tell you that I am not the smartest guy in the room. I just wake up every day. But you're in the, the top, top 5%. 5%. Uh, yeah, <laughs> top 5% of the failures, right? I just wake up every day and get after it. And mm-hmm. I, I recognize that I don't know everything. And I consistently try and learn. So I'm an extremely avid reader. I try to read 20 pages of a book every single day. And that's what helps me continue to build on the knowledge that I already have. Love that. Tell me how you, how are you selecting the books that you are, are spending time on? Yeah. So when I sit down with folks to network, one of my last questions before I leave that conversation every time is, can you recommend a book that you've read recently or read in your lifetime that you would recommend? And then I'll go on Amazon and buy it immediately before I even get up and leave that meeting. So like I'm looking to my left because I have a massive bookshelf. I call it my kill shelf. So the top are all books that I've read and the bottom are books that I have upcoming. Nice. Give me a couple top books you recommend then. Yeah. So my top book, and this is like eye-opening that more people don't know this, is The Wealthy Gardener. So the are you familiar with it? I'm not. This is awesome. So I feel like everyone I talk to is not familiar with this book. So prior to that, my number one book was The Richest Man in Babylon. It's very simple, 
but that is the blueprint on how to become wealthy. The Wealthy Gardener takes probably, or references, probably like 20 different books that I had read that I thought were really important. And it takes through kind of two stories of two younger guys. And The Wealthy Gardener is like the narrator. And he mentors both of them. And one has a lot of success and one doesn't. And it's kind of comparable. But I'm always way more interested in books that tell stories. So that book is, I think, like 480 pages. But there's a wealth of knowledge in there. Jimmy, how do you like to give back? Yeah. So my biggest thing is I've had a couple of opportunities to go back and speak in schools about financial literacy. And I think that's really important not to get too political here, but I think that our education system seriously lacks coaching our younger generations on financial literacy. So that's been a really cool experience for me. It may sound like a boring topic to some, but kids get really interested in it. I know that I had the opportunity last year to speak to 200 sixth graders, and I thought that they would fall asleep halfway through the presentation, but they were dialed in. They were super interested, and they were pretty well educated on the topic. My, I try to teach my five and six-year-old, you know, they don't know a lot about money yet, but when I tell them I'm going to make them pay the light bill, their ears perk up. You know, yes. <laughs> What do you mean? We can't spend our money on toys? <laughs> no, Jimmy, thank you so much for your time. I, I love how you give back as well and just sharing just what your, your knowledge and, and with young people, but just helping us walk through picking a management company, some great questions to ask them. And even the, just the format of that weekly call is important. You know, if you've never done that before, you don't know what to expect. You don't know what to expect out of the management company. And just appreciate you laying those things out. And then also going through, or and tell us about the, the you know, the books, uh, Wealthy Gardener, or The Richest Man in Babylon also, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Awesome. But tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. So the best way is if you guys are interested in sending me an email, my email is jim, J-I-M, at lion, L-Y-O-N, propertygroup.com. I also have a pretty good Instagram presence. So if you guys want to either give me a shout through DM on Instagram or uh, give me a follow, it the handle is the notorious CFK for a cash flow king. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.